The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any. Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday. Presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Get the app on your phone. Get the regular DraftKings app on your phone and enjoy the NCAA tournament. Last night was amazing. Kicks off in earnest today. It's not just a Finish Strong Friday. Usually, it will be a Greg Cosell day. However, we have a hero. And I will get to that hero momentarily. I'll explain the situation. We do have winners, though, today. No need to do the Mike Singletary thing, Bri. I'll get right into it. Our Spread the Word winner via social media, Chris Grover, gave us a Facebook love on Even Money, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Sponsor confirmation email winner, Douglas Morgan, 1-800-Flowers. Love it, Douglas. And the YouTube shout-out, Matt Hudson, who simply subscribed to YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and said, great episode, fellers. It's been a long time since I saw somebody say fellers. Matt, you get the cameo-style shout-out. But you got to email me, Ross at RossTucker.com. Let me know who you want the shout-out for. Chris, Douglas, let me know if you want to sign picture, sign card or one of these signed press passes from the 2020 season. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so this is epic right now, okay? About 10, 15 minutes before the show started, Greg Cosell texted me and said he's sick as a dog, not going to be able to come on. We were going to talk free agency and tight ends. I saw that Field Yates from ESPN, who's an absolute stud, had already tweeted something this morning. So that means he's up. I texted Field. I said, can you come on? He said, yeah, but I'm out walking the dog far away from my house. I said, I don't care. We'll take it fresh off the bench. 
Field on six minutes notice. Field Yates from ESPN. Hello, Field. What's going on, Ross? And I feel like I have to just expand the thought about the dog one more step, only because most people would say, like, are you trying to, you know, brag about the fact that you take your dog out for a walk in the morning? The answer is no. I just wanted to be transparent with Ross when I was responding that, you know, we walk. My dog is a one-year-old golden retriever. He's got more energy than anybody that I can think of right now in the world of sports. He needs to be walked for a marathon. I also want my wife to get some sleep in the morning. So we walk for like an hour plus every day. So we're halfway out. I'm thinking to myself, if Ross wants me to do this for my computer, either I'm going to have to sprint or call an Uber to get home in time. Of course, you were kind enough to let me call in. So uh, here we are, and my dog is joining us for this great voyage. Well, no, I mean, as you know, it, it's, you know, the show is on YouTube, but that's okay. Like, it just makes for a more hilarious story. Most people still just listen to the audio, like way, way, way more people. And I I am interested. What happens if your dog does what dogs do on walks while you're talking to me, Field? Uh, he, the good news is he already did that. So we have already taken care of that and disposed of it. So uh, we are in the clear in that regard. All right. So there's several things about field that I love. Okay. Number one is that field played division three football. Why is that important? Because people that play division three football love it. Like they love it. You're not doing it for the scholarship. You're not doing it for the limelight. You're not doing it because you think you might go to the NFL. You're doing it because you love it. Would you say that's accurate, Field? Hey, absolutely. Like a couple of Cecil Shorts here or there, right? He was a Mount Union guy, I believe, which uh, – is that where he – now I'm going to get in trouble. With no, you're right. you're right. You're right. Just making sure. But, yeah, there are very few of us, the Division three level, that ever have any aspirations to play in the NFL. And I think one of the most important lessons that I learned early in life for us was that it was important to be honest with myself. And when I was honest with myself about what my career with football would involve going forward, it was not playing the game beyond college. It might be somehow tied to the game beyond college, but I knew at an early age that I would be no Ross Tucker past my, uh, my football playing career at the college level. You know what's so funny about that field is when I was – Probably up until like sixth grade, my dream was to play in the NFL. Uh-huh. And then seventh and eighth grade, I, I was a late bloomer. So I saw my friends, like who had always been a lot smaller than me. They were my size. My dad field, believe it or not, is 5'9", 170 pounds. So somewhere around seventh or eighth grade, I was honest with myself. And I said, I just want to have the best high school football and basketball career I can have. And then I wanted to be a broadcaster and go to like Syracuse or, uh, you know, write for Sports Illustrated or work for ESPN like you do. I I basically had that same sort of, you know, come to Jesus realism. And then, you know what happened after that? I just started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) I mean, five, six Chubby 150 in eighth grade, ninth grade, like 5'9", 160, 10th grade, 6'1", 170, junior year, 6'4". I mean, it was it was crazy. I literally 
said, look at my dad. I got no shot. I want to be a broadcaster. And then God was like, no, 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 you don't. We, you still got a shot at this thing. And uh, sometimes I think he made me good enough at football that I could get these broadcasting gigs. Well, I think it's you obviously have one of the most unique paths, and uh, you've got so many stories and anecdotes along the way that play well in your broadcasting career. And I got to say, your broadcasting career takes you all over the place too, right? Obviously doing your show daily, but you've got college assignments. I see you tweeting from like Montana in the fall or Wyoming in the fall nights. You name it. There's an NFL event. Heck, the last time we saw each other in person, or one of the last time together in Fort Worth, Texas. So it seems football is taking you many unique and cool places. Yeah, that's the night I met Patrick Mahomes. You and I both met Patrick Mahomes that's right. at that uh, Never fantasy football. I remember talking to him. That's really funny. That was before he had started. <laughs> like that was before he was Patrick Mahomes. Right. He, that was that was, was before chief, his second he was year in the started. NFL, which is yeah. kind of crazy. To think about the other thing I love about Field is that he is a truly unique background, having worked for the Patriots. And I think you're the only guy I know of Field. Maybe I'm wrong here. I feel like you are both a front office based on your tweets and fantasy football expert. And I don't really know that there's anybody else out there like that. I mean, there's a lot of people that are on the front office side of things. There's a lot of people on the fantasy football side of things. I don't know that I can think of anybody else that's like, that's your that's your niche, man, and I love it. I appreciate you saying that. You know what I think has been cool about, uh, and I'll speak about fantasy in this regard, because I feel like the interest in scouting slash the coaching angle has always been there for analysis, uh, and I think it always will be. Fantasy is not new by any means, but it grows in popularity exponentially every year. And I think what I've realized is that while there is certainly not a direct correlation between being a really good football player and being a really good fantasy football player, there are a lot of ways in which being good at football can directly correlate to being really useful in fantasy. And a lot of the now analysis can actually prove relevant um, in both regards. So there are times where I think that there are probably people that are following me because they want to know whether they should start Kenyon Drake or Chris Carson on Sunday. But they may also happen to be a Packers fan who wants to know the financial implications of extending Aaron Jones or something like that, right? So it's kind of a fun uh, – I don't know if it's it's – there's sort of more two parallel tracks than I maybe gave them credit for a few years ago uh, is that people maybe thought to themselves, there's no way that scouting and fantasy actually tie together when there may actually be a handful of ways. No, you're right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, fantasy football players are amateur GMs, right? I mean, that they're, they're picking the team They're That's what they're doing. Uh, they're doing the draft. And so there's a heavy correlation I would say you mentioned Kenyon Drake field. I'm glad you did because that was one of the head scratchers for me yesterday. I mean, the Raiders have some cap issues. They're moving on from Trent Brown and Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. Now they did sign Nick Martin last night, but they're moving on from these guys. They still have some issues defensively. They move on from three fifths. their starting offensive line. And then you give pretty good money, two years, eleven million of it's guaranteed. I think it's fourteen million, maybe total, but supposedly eleven million guaranteed for a backup running back. 
I got to be honest with you, Field. That one was a head scratcher for me. Do you get it? Do you understand it? Uh, so, but I have a couple of rules of free agency, maybe more than a couple. But one of them is that my goal is to try to understand the justification from a team's standpoint every time we see a move. Look, it's not like someone is doing somebody. Someone is doing something, you know, with complete disregard for what it all means. Uh, I always feel like. And, and these, again, sometimes the moves are so obviously bad that it's really hard to justify them. And I, I don't want to pile on, but like when the Texans were making the series of transactions they made a year ago, they're kind of like, holy cow, what are they doing here? Obviously. Um, this this Kenyon Drake signing is not nearly of that caliber, but I'm with you, Ross, is that uh, while I understand the trade of Gabe Jackson, I thought he was a player that had kind of run its course or run his course with the Raiders. Um, I had a harder time certainly understanding the Rodney Hudson trade, a guy who's still playing at a very high level. And if you look at his compensation, it's not like he was a, an, an overpaid star. He was a, a star paid commensurate with his value. So I am not a believer philosophically in paying running backs uh, significant money. And I know that this is not you know, Zeke Elliott money for Kenyon Drake, but he's also not even Zeke Elliott, right? I mean, he is a useful piece in both the passing game when he gets opportunities and as a runner. Um, but they also drafted a player in the first round two years ago, Josh Jacobs, that used the 24th overall pick on a running back. I would expect that player to be a 320 touch per game, per, uh, excuse me, 320 touch per season player. So I do wonder if they're allocating their resources correctly right now in Las Vegas. That does concern me a little bit. So mentioned the Patriots background. Obviously, you live up there. We got to dive into it. Um, you know, and, and people are saying, well, there's been other years where they've spent, and that's true, but not to this extent, field, and not to this volume. What's your reaction to what the Patriots have done these first few days? Well, they also, this is also the first time they've had this kind of money to spend, right? Because for the past 20 years, up until last, they had a franchise quarterback. And I understand that early in Tom's career, Tom Brady's career, it's not like he was paid on top of the market until he reached his first deal, which I believe was 2003. But the Patriots did have a few players who were on the higher end of the pay scale when Bill Belichick was initially hired from the previous regime, guys like Ty Law are well compensated amongst others, Lawyer Malloy. Um, but this is the first time the Patriots have had this kind of money to spend. And I was mentioning some of the rules I have in free agency. And, you know, I mentioned I want to try to understand a team's thinking. I also have a rule that, like, I try to evaluate each deal independent of other deals that team may have made financially as opposed to looking at them all in, you know, sort of in conjunction, which when the Patriots spend so much money on so many players, it's hard not to look at them in total. Um, Ross, I think that when you have the year you had last year, where they went seven and nine, uh, and that felt like, I mean, honestly, it felt like the apocalypse up here in New England. That's how disappointing a seven and nine season is. And I don't think you're going to be satisfied with like incremental improvements, especially when you have this unique window with all the money to spend, the cap being so low that other teams were ill-equipped to make significant investments. And also, I mean, I understand that some of the money seems 
substantial on these players. You know, John Smith, Hunter Henry, Matt Judon amongst them. But I would just say this is that I don't look at any of the investments they made as bad players, right? We'll see how the contracts age. I think all the players are really good players. And I think that who knows? Again, free agency, there's so many examples of deals not aging well. But, you know, if, if you in a vacuum, I don't know that any of those deals struck me as significant overpays. You know, I think when you stack them all together, people feel like the Patriots have just opened up the bank and, you know, what, is, is it being done carelessly? No, there's more than enough of a track record to show us this team does not make decisions carelessly. They've earned the benefit of the doubt a hundred times over. Um, they're markedly better in terms of talent. Uh, there is much, it's a much more professional outfit on the roster going next, going into next year. So I think the team, I mean, honestly, on paper, I know that's sort of a dangerous thing to do uh, in the middle of March, like on paper strikes me as a team that like, I would expect them to be very much in the playoff mix coming next year. Yeah. I guess the, the only, the one that jumps out to me the most, probably just because I live near Philadelphia and I do the Eagles pregame and preseason TV, the Nelson Aguilar one where he gets 22 million for two years, 16 million of it's evidently guaranteed Man, yeah. I think like John Brown's getting three point eight million. Emmanuel Sanders six million. Keelan Cole five and a half million. Even Will Fuller is less than what Aguilar is getting. So that that's the one that seems out of character because he's had a lot of really bad moments. He had some really good moments last year for the Raiders, but man, he's had some rough moments uh, that I've seen personally in Philadelphia. That that one that that I would say that one's the one that probably surprised me the most. Yeah, I think especially – I think that that's been the one that has probably caused the most reaction just because of how slow the wide receiver market has moved otherwise. At the time that you and I are having this chat, Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster remain unsigned. Uh, Curtis Samuel wound up getting the three years and $34.5 million from Washington. That's $11.5 per year. Uh, Corey Davis got three for $37.5, which – talk about a great contract for the player. That's awesome. Corey Davis right now atop the wide receiver market. And I'm not saying these, the, the Jets made a bad move, but just like that just struck me as like good, really good, really strong deal for the player in that regard. Um, you know, I think with Aguilar, it's a good reminder to me that like we're, we're paying for projections. We're not paying for past performance and free agency, right? At, at, least, at least that's what you should be doing for things to work out in your favor. Uh, it's a significant investment in Aguilar. I know – uh, that Philadelphia, even with some highs, as you mentioned, and playing really well against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, ironically, um, I understand how that's going to be a sort of a radioactive signing in some ways because of his five years in Philly. I also know that in Vegas, he was beloved. He was a guy that immediately won over the organization. So many players there played really well, finished second in the NFL. 18.9 yards per reception last year. We'll see, but uh, Ross, I know you watched the Patriots offense last year, and while Demir Bird is a useful uh, sort of third or fourth wide receiver, the lack of playmaking was so evident in the passing game for them last year that running it back without a significant upgrade at wide receiver, and I understand there are other options, but you know, I think part of the Patriots thinking is let's get the guy that maybe was our preference out of these free agent wide receivers 
and, and figure it out from here. Uh, and, and Aguilar has a unique opportunity, and we'll see whether he can cash in on it. Field, last one, and this has been phenomenal. Can't thank you enough. Uh, do you, what do you think the Patriots are more likely to do at quarterback moving forward? We know they have Cam. I think they're more likely to sign a guy or maybe even make a trade for Marcus Mariota. Sounds like the Raiders might release him or draft somebody high, like maybe even round one or round two. Which do you think is more likely? Because it feels like they're going to do one of those two or maybe even both, like get get another veteran guy, but also get a young guy. Yeah, I think they're going to try to draft a quarterback early. And by the way, Ross, that may come with some sort of audacious compensation to get to where you need to get to to make to, to, to pick a reasonable quarterback, right? I don't know that if they sit and hang tight at pick 15, whether they will actually have a quarterback available on the board. That's one of the five we've all been talking about. So they may have to move up the board, which is not going to be easy, especially because we have a lot of other teams that are interested in those quarterbacks. But the Patriots going 7-9 and nine last year left them where they are right now in the draft order. I personally, and there's a lot of football left this offseason, I personally believe, if I had to guess right now, the Patriots are going to be picking you know, more like 20 next year, maybe even low 20s next year, than 15 again, which means that in 2022 during the draft, which as of right now, people who are tapped in with the draft say the quarterback class is not as strong as this year's, means you're going to be further down the draft order with less options available. So I understand that moving up the draft board can be difficult and pricey, but at some point you need to identify the quarterback of your future. And if there are any concerns that it's not Cam Newton, which clearly there are based off of how he finished last season, then I'm thinking long and hard if I'm the Patriots about moving up the board to get a guy that I believe in and having a player that you can build around, even if he's not the starter right away, a player you can build around going forward. Well, we can build our roster around you, Field. You're like me. I think I went three years in a row where I didn't start the opener, but somebody got hurt or somebody played poorly. <laughs> I came off the bench and finished the season. Field Yates, our utility man, live from somewhere in New England, walking his dog, still killing it with this segment. Check him out on social media, at Field Yates. He obviously has that tremendous fantasy-focused football podcast I'm sure a lot of you already listened to. Field, you are a lifesaver, man. That was awesome. Nobody, not even my listeners that love me, don't want to hear me just talk for 35 minutes straight. Thank you. Well, the next time I'm out for a dog walk, I'll think of you, I'll text you, and I'll see if you need another guest, Ross. How about that? I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. And Thanks, get well man. soon, Greg. All righty. All right, there he is, Field Yates, man. That was awesome. I, I love that guy anyway, but now I'll always love him. That was awesome for him to step up like that. Speaking of awesome, I'm, I know I mentioned the YouTube a lot, but if you want to see what I look like when I'm just staring at a camera listening to somebody talk, check out today's YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Because while Field's talking, we don't have any like graphic or anything else to show. So it's just me with a dumb look on my face, looking at the camera. 
Maybe that's how we can get more YouTube subscribers. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Check out my dumb listening face. Tuck's takes. At least you were contributing. I, I had the dumb look on my face for 22 minutes and I didn't say a word. Yeah, but that's every day, bro. Uh, that's, that's a good like, point. That, that people, already know. I, people already have seen that face for, <laughs> for over a year now. However, I'm, we started YouTube what, in the summer? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really just been like six to eight months, whatever. All right. Let's uh, rattle off some of the moves since, since Wednesday. Uh, just quick thoughts on each. First, A.J. Green signs with the Cardinals, who also trade for Raiders center Rodney Hudson and sign kicker Matt Prater. The A.J. Green news is interesting because I think everybody's curious to see what he has left after really doing nothing the last two years. Rodney Hudson is still a very good player. The Cardinals had issues at center. I love that trade. They gave up a third. They got a seventh back. But the, the Cardinals are all in for this year, if you haven't noticed. And when I see, you know, you bring in A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson, J.J. Watt, even Matt Prater. They're bringing a lot of 30-somethings. They're willing to pay them more than other teams are. That usually means the GM and or head coach know they are on the hot seat. I had tweeted that at Ross Tucker NFL. And then Ian Rappaport from NFL Network said yesterday that they are, in fact, it, that, you know, they are all in for this year and that it's a, a win or else situation. I, I even replied to that after Ian said that on TV. Panthers sign edge rushers Hassan Reddick and Morgan Fox. Hassan Reddick, the Temple grad back with Matt Rule, really curious to see if he can do again what he did last year with the 12 and a half sacks or even close to it. He'll have a shot opposite Brian Burns. Chiefs get lineman Kyle Long and they re-sign Mike Remmers to play right tackle. So before they re-sign Mike Remmers last night, Brian, they had by my count five starting caliber, like proven starter offensive guards. Nick Allegretti, Joe Tooney, Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, Andrew Wiley. Who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Well, oh, uh, yeah, they had one more, okay? Kyle Long, Kyle Long. Now they signed Remmer, so now they have a tackle. They had zero tackles, zero centers. So I wonder if Tooney's going to play another position at this point. Washington football team gets wide receiver Curtis Samuel. Absolutely love, love, love what the Washington football team has done. First Fitz, then William Jackson, now Curtis Samuel. I have visions of Fitz throwing slants to Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin that they take to the house. I think Washington football team, in my mind, is probably the favorites in the NFC East right now. That's another one. Going back to what we were talking about with Field in terms of Nelson Aguilar, I mean, I'd rather have Curtis Samuel than Nelson Aguilar all day long, and the money was very comparable. Center Alex Mack goes to the 49ers. Love that signing for the Niners. Center a very important position in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Alex Mack obviously played for Kyle. He has a real good feel for Kyle's system, both mentally and physically, and gives the Niners a chance to be improved up front. Patriots get back Ted Karras and Kyle Van Noy from Miami, and then they re-sign center David Andrews. When they signed Karras, I thought, well, that's it for David Andrews. He's going somewhere else. Evidently not. Karras will just be depth for them. 
man, they got money and they're not afraid to use it. Van Noy, and they're getting some of these guys like Van Noy back for cents on the dollar. Seahawks trade for Raiders guard Gabe Jackson. Thought the comments from Field were interesting about Gabe Jackson not being the same player. Seahawks love road grading guards. They want guards that they think can move bodies, get movement in the run game. Cornerback Patrick Peterson to the Vikings. That's kind of surprising to me because I guess you would just think if Arizona's all in for this year and they're bringing all these veterans in, kind of surprising that they wouldn't do it with Peterson. But Peterson's going to go somewhere where he plays more zone, not as good at man-to-man at this stage of his career. Broncos let running back Philip Lindsay go. Don't understand this. I, I don't understand this. I mean, they had him on the lowest tender. There's nothing wrong with the lowest tender. They could have matched what anybody else gave him. He's been a very productive and effective player. That one is a head-scratcher for me. He's been a dynamic player at times. Who would the Broncos be getting rid of dynamic guys like Lindsey that you have for cheap? I don't get it. Raiders signed running back Kenyon Drake two years, $11 million, and former Texan center Nick Martin. Talked about it with Field. Big-time head-scratcher for me. You know, they've got other places where they need to be allocating resources. To allocate it to a backup running back, I, I just don't get it. The Giants, two years, $16 million for tight end Kyle Rudolph. Love it. Evan Ingram has been a disappointment on multiple levels. Rudolph is a true pro's pro. Plus, I think he will love being in New York. I think Kyle's a really sharp young man. Has a lot of opportunities for after football. And I think being in New York will probably help him. All right, one-year deal, $10 million for wide receiver Will Fuller in Miami. That's what I'm talking about. Like, less money for Will Fuller than Nelson Aguilar? Now, Aguilar's been more durable, and that's important to the Patriots, probably why they didn't want to go there with Will Fuller. But still, I mean, Will Fuller's been a much better player. The Jets sign wide receiver Keelan Cole. Always like Keelan Cole. You remember, I, I remember telling Evan Silva about him on the Fantasy Feast podcast Way back when Keelan Cole was a rookie from out of nowhere, I was like, this guy's good. I like this guy. The Cleveland Browns signed cornerback Troy Hill. Both young DBs, Troy Hill and John Johnson, that made plays this year for the Rams. Uh, They have other young DBs that made plays. Demarius Williams is one. But the Browns got them. And those guys know each other too, which I think helps. Chicago Bears are going to cut cornerback Kyle Fuller. Supposedly, I think his cap hits like $20 million bucks. I think they'll, they might be able to end up trading him today because they hadn't actually done it yesterday, but he's making a lot of money. I don't know who the Bears are to be cutting good players when it's a make-or-break year for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I, I just don't really understand that. And... It's funny because evidently they've let Akeem Hicks, you know, his agent had permission for a trade as well. So it seemed like they might cut both these guys. And so with all these reports out there that the Bears had offered Seattle three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two defensive starters, maybe it was two defensive starters that the Bears were just going to cut anyway. 
All right, last bit of news today. Uh, your thoughts on the sexual assault allegations against Deshaun Watson in Houston and the new uh, uh, TV broadcast deals that the NFL has signed. Always uncomfortable talking about stuff like this with Deshaun Watson. The NFL has said they are investigating it, so that means we have to acknowledge it. Anytime any allegations like this are out there, they need to be taken seriously. And as I think I've said before, Bri, no matter what happened here now, it's horrible, right? So either sexual assault took place, which is horrific, or people are falsely accusing someone of sexual assault, which is equally horrific. So either way, at this point now, Something terrible has happened, and it's disturbing. As for the new TV broadcast deals, I guess what's interesting there is they'll be able to flex Monday Night Football late in the season, which is interesting. What a nightmare, by the way, for people like me that get these broadcast opportunities for Westwood One on Monday Night Football, that they can actually switch that now. They won't even be able to really assign who's on it at times until later at this point. But that's good for us as viewers. ESPN, ABC getting some Super Bowls, which is pretty cool. Thursday Night Football, exclusively Amazon Prime. Hope you guys get it. Got to watch those games. They're no dummies. They know the deal. Other than that, shout out, as always, to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X. We love all of our patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Especially... The ones that are, I think, we're done here, members, because that is pretty cool. Uh, I agree with what Field said. Hopefully, Greg feels better. Have an awesome weekend. Plenty of content out there if you want it. Certainly, check out the YouTube page. If you never have, just check out some of the highlights from the other shows. Even if you don't watch the other shows, you can easily check out the highlights from the other shows. That's pretty efficient. It's like the three or four things I think were most noteworthy. They're all the highlight clips, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, or listen to the full episodes of Even Money, Fantasy Feast, College Draft, or the Business of Sports. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.